Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And the title of the book is The No Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss. And this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea which is lack of a cycle, the pill is beneficial, what type of pill is more beneficial, Does does it impact your sex drive, we talk about perimenopause and menopause and we talk about thyroid and there's many other topics that we talk about so it's fairly in-depth it's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through and it's fairly in-depth a lot of research a lot of effort's been put into it so i'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there it will be available on amazon from the 3rd of december as well which i'm super super excited for so i hope you guys enjoy the episode hope you guys enjoy the book any questions on the book let me know but i'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so today is episode 216 and it is part two of the endometriosis topic that i think from the first one and the messages that i was getting from the first one the the second one is is kind of be a little bit more on kind of like the diet and lifestyle side of things the supplement side of things the training with endometriosis side of things improving fertility and PCOS and endometriosis can you have both so I think it's important to kind of like if you haven't already listened back to, to episode 215 on endometriosis part one it's important to go back and listen to that and understand what endometriosis actually is the common symptoms that are there the diagnosis and how to get one the risks involved and the importance of like good health and managing your good health with endometriosis it is important to note that you, like going to a doctor and a medical professional will help you so it is important to go and seek help on that side of things if you're looking for stuff with good health a dietitian can really really help you on that side of things and a pretty decent um nutritionist could help you as well but it's important to go to the right places for your information and not just kind of go to someone who is just going to give you a meal plan because that's not going to solve that's not going to look at anything in, in more in depth at all so i think it's important to recap what actually endometriosis is so endometriosis is a disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that forms the lining of your uterus grows outside of your uterine cavity so the lining of your uterus is called the endometrium and endometriosis is a common gynecological condition affecting up to about 10 percent of women so it is huge and endometriosis occurs when endometrial tissue grows in your ovaries bowel and tissues lining of your pelvis it's unusual for endometrial tissue to spread beyond your beyond your pelvic region but it's not impossible so the hormone changes of your cycle affect the misplaced endometrial tissue, causing the area to become inflamed and painful. This can be extremely painful for some women, and I've seen that from coaching clients with endometriosis, that it can be extremely painful. So it is about managing the symptoms rather than seeing it as a threat to you. This means that tissue will grow and thicken and break down. Over time, the tissue that is broken down has nowhere to go and becomes trapped in your pelvis. 
the tish, this tissue trapped in your pelvis can cause irritation, scar formation, adhesions, severe pain, and fertility problems. At present, the kind of the research on it is very, very low compared to that of PCOS. And a lot of the research on female health and hormone health is very, very low compared to that of male health because a lot of the tests and stuff that we're doing in relation to training and nutrition and stuff have been done mainly on men. The research is changing, but there's a long way to go. The exact cause of endometriosis is not certain. So possible explanations include retrograde menstruation, which is menstrual blood containing endometrial cells flows back through the fallopian tubes and into the pelvic cavity instead of out of the body. These endometrial cells stick to the pelvic walls and surfaces of pelvic organs where they grow and continue to thicken and bleed over the course of each menstrual cycle. We can also look at transformation of perineal cells. We can look at embryonic cell transformation. We can look at scar, surgical scar implantation. We can look at endometrial cell transport. And we can look, also look at immune, dis- uh, immune support, um, immune system disorder as well. As the research is quite new, uh, it is important that it, the general consensus at the minute is that it's caused by an immune dysfunction. And endometriosis shares some similarities with the likes of lupus and rheumatoid arthritis as well. There is a very, very strong genetic component to endometriosis as well. So if someone in your family, like your mother or your sister, has endo, then there's a high possibility that you will develop it yourself. And you're not alone if you have the disorder. So it's knowing where to go, it's knowing where the support is and that side of things. So if you want to go back to the previous episode 215, you'll get the common symptoms like painful periods, lower back pain, cramps for one or two weeks before menstruation, infertility, pain during sexual intercourse, discomfort with bowel movements, lower back pain. That could occur. It is important to get a regular gynecological exam, which will allow your gynecologist to monitor any situations. So it is really, really important that you do know that the kind of like the support is out there for you. So I think it's important for us to kind of talk now through like the diet and lifestyle side of things in relation to managing endometriosis. So as endometriosis is a multifactorial disease, we still don't fully understand its pathogenesis. So we really can't quantify the effect of of diet. There are things that we can make sure to try and include in the diet and some of the foods that include are anti-inflammatory or antioxidant foods including omega-3 and 6 like fatty acids so fatty fish flaxseed soybeans nuts seeds those kind of things lots of fruit and veg whole grains eggs peanuts sources of pea could be certain things uh, cruciferous veggies like brussels sprouts be careful when it comes to broccoli i have seen some women not being able to break down the veggie the, the vegetable that is broccoli so be in, in be mindful of keeping a log of the flare-ups and what foods are triggered. A wide variety of foods of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants uh, is another one. Be mindful of alcohol consumption. So sometimes when you have a little bit more alcohol, you may find that you may become a little bit more bloated, and that could be one of the things. But the alcohol may not be uh, conducive to managing your endometriosis you need to be kind of mindful of trans fats which are man-made fats so these are the what the fats that may not be the most amazing for you i'm not saying they're bad but i'm not saying they're the most amazing for you like the likes of margarine or processed food etc reducing foods like that have some shown evidence to help manage symptoms but more evidence is needed on these um some one of the things that's kind of there's a misconception about that's that's out there at the minute which is in relation to dairy and like dairy dairy gets an unfair rep in a lot of things and Sometimes the dairy-free diet is suggested as a good option, but a large study of nearly 121,000 samples found quite the opposite. And the study found that women with a high dairy intake versus low have a 17% reduced risk of, of endometriosis. 
as dairy intake increases, the risk of endometriosis de decreases. So total dairy intake of, of greater than 21 servings a week or average of three servings a day significantly reduced the risk of endometriosis by 13%, so 1-3% compared to women with a no dairy or low dairy intake. So that's very, very, that's a huge stat. I showed that I was talking to someone over the weekend uh, on a hike and they kind of started talking about as soon as they found out what I did and they were talking about endometriosis, and I was like, have you looked at the dairy stuff? And they didn't know what I was talking about. So I kind of mentioned the study to them and they looked it up and they're like, this makes so much more sense. So it's really, really important to kind of know what triggers your food and what triggers your stomach, what triggers your body and keeping a food log. So some supplements that might help, uh, omega-3 and 6, if they're not regularly in your diet, which I alluded to earlier, vitamin D, if not regularly exposed to sufficient sunshine. So if we're in Ireland or if you're in the UK, we're kind of going into say October. So when this episode is out and between October and March, it is essential for those for people to supplement vitamin D as we don't get enough sunlight exposure, which can help with mood. It can help with strength, bone health, everything. So I would really, really look at kind of supplementing with vitamin D at some point. Iron, uh, as iron levels will need to be checked as women who have endometriosis, endometriosis may be anemic as well. So it's important to get regular blood checks on that side of things. So if you're having painful periods or heavy flows, it's important to kind of look and say, right, it may be a sign of an iron deficiency. So if you're feeling really fatigued all the time and on other things, that could be a sign. Uh, so dim could be one thing as well, but more evidence is needed on this. Zinc, uh, B vitamins, um, NAC has shown to kind of reduce the, the cysts, the size of the cysts, reduction in pain. Uh, curcumin um, or turmeric is known for having anti-inflammatory properties, which was confirmed in a 2009 review and a 2013 study suggests that, that this may help with endometriosis by reducing estradiol uh, production. So it's a significant amount of research there. And then one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is another thing called ashwagandha. So a 2014 review found that clinically significant reductions in stress resulted from treatment with the herb ashwagandha. Another study in 2006 found that women with advanced endometriosis had significantly higher levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, a, a hormone involved in the stress response. And as we know, stress management plays a huge role in managing endometriosis. So if you're someone that's on the go all the time, struggling to get to sleep, struggling to unwind, ashwagandha will ease it, but it won't call, it won't it won't solve the root cause of it. But it could help to kind of calm down the central nervous system, which is what ashwagandha does. So more research is needed on supplementation for endometriosis. So please do not take all of these together. Consider taking zinc, turmeric, and NAC if you're going to take other things. And if you're struggling with kind of unwinding and stress management and stuff, ashwagandha could, could significantly help. The first point of call, though, should be to seek a referral to a gynecologist and talk through all these various different options uh, through the next step. So the next one is kind of training with endometriosis. So... This is one of those things that with the flare-ups, it can be very difficult for, for some women to manage between the flare-ups. And women with endometriosis can become generally weakened from the cycle of inflammation and stress and the pain on it. Strength training becomes especially important in order to build through all the muscle groups, especially the weakened muscles. So in most women, pelvic floor engagement is recommended during the exhale breathe. However, in women with hypertonic pelvic floor muscles, cueing for pelvic floor engagement can cause more pain and discomfort. Therefore, in, the in these certain circumstances, pelvic floor relaxation is actually encouraged. Instead of doing Kegels or, or kind of pelvic floor lifts, women with hypertonic pelvic floor muscles need to do reverse Kegels or pelvic floor drops. So physiotherapy can also be very, very beneficial for adhesions, pain, and pelvic floor dysfunction. 
And it is also important for women who have endometriosis to stretch the muscles around their hips, back, pelvis, and abdomen. And not doing endless amount of crunches for the actual sake of it. Incorporating yoga into your exercise habits or having a diligent stretch routine during a warm up and cool down that flows through these muscles on the days when you're strength training are useful ways of addressing this. So keep in mind that the connective tissue and the pelvic floor in the abdomen and come, become light and due to scarring and adhesions. Therefore, exercises that shorten these muscle groups, such as crunches and sit-ups, may not be ideal, which is what I alluded to earlier. Exercise that strengthen the muscles in these areas uh, in, in an elongated uh, position would be a hell of a lot more justified. If having flare-ups, please try to avoid the likes of running, higher intensity workouts like HIIT training, which is kind of been popularized by the likes of Joe Wicks and focus on light exercise including walking yoga or meditations every woman will be different so it's important to understand your body the next thing we're going to be talking about so it's important to look at that and say right strength training it's important to kind of do the pelvic floor work the unsexy stuff the mobility work the movement work and understanding that if you're feeling fatigued all the time it's about not beating yourself up and saying right i don't need to hammer myself with higher intensity workouts or runs it's about listening to your body yoga meditation going for a walk could be the, the simple tool for you if you can do it if you're having massive flare-ups and having a massive pain walking has shown to to kind of improve symptoms in relation to pain management and stuff like that so it is important for that try to think of your, your body like a mobile phone in that it needs to be recharged and if you're struggling with the pain and all that kind of stuff it's important to have that empathy and that side of things towards yourself if you are struggling with that element of things you need to understand where the guilt is coming from is the guilt coming from unmet expectations of trying to be get a session in every single day is it coming from seeing what other people are doing on social media and getting triggered by that if it is you need to make sure to remove your social media accounts that are triggering you that's where i would start so in relation to kind of fertility issues so according to kind of like having issues with fertility is a serious complication of endometriosis most treatments for endometriosis aim to prevent ovulation so one example is taking birth control pills so when you're trying to get pregnant you'll stop taking the the, the various different types of birth control or whatever birth control you may be on and fertility in general can unfortunately also be affected by endometriosis so it's kind of it's a double-edged sword so women with milder forms may be able to conceive and carry a baby to term according to the mayo clinic about 30 to 40 percent of women with endometriosis have trouble getting pregnant a 2014 review of studies found that two to ten percent of couples living with endometriosis succeeded in becoming pregnant versus 15 to 20 percent of couples without endometriosis as a complication so that's two to ten percent of couples living with endometriosis succeeded in getting pregnant versus 15 to 20 percent of couples without endometriosis as a complication they are significant stats for fertility issues due to endometriosis can be related to several causes. The first is, is if endometriosis affects the ovaries and or fallopian tubes. An egg must travel from the ovary past the fallopian tube and to the uterus for fertilization before implant, implantation into the uterine lining. If a woman has endometriosis in her fallopian tube lining, the, the issue may keep the egg from, from traveling to the actual uterus itself. It's also possible that endometriosis could damage an egg or a sperm while doctors don't know exactly why this actually occurs. A theory is that endometriosis causes greater levels of inflammation in the body, but more research is actually needed on this to provide the full picture. So when should you actually go and see a doctor? Some doctors may recommend seeing a fertility specialist before you start trying to become pregnant. And a fertility specialist may conduct blood tests such as an AMH test. And this test reflects your remaining egg supply. So another term for egg supply is ovarian reserve. 
Surgical endometriosis treatments can reduce your ovarian reserve, so you may want to consider this test when thinking uh, about endometriosis treatments. The only way to truly diagnose endometriosis is surgery to identify areas where endometrium-like tissue is present. But these surgeries could potentially result in scarring that may affect fertility. This is usually minor, but talk to your doctor about the risks and the benefits. So some of the guidance that we can provide for endometriosis related for infertility. If you've been trying for over six months, you need to go and talk to your doctor. A doctor will be able to go through the various options for you and your partner. They will link in with the fertility specialist to determine what is going on in the severity of your endometriosis. Some of the treatments that are on the table for endometriosis fertility include freezing your eggs. Um, endometriosis can affect your ovarian reserve, which I alluded to earlier. So some doctors may recommend pre pre preserving your eggs in case you wish to become pregnant later. This option may can be costly and isn't usually covered by insurance. So this will be need, needed to be taken into account. There's also superovulation and in uterine insemination. This is an option for those who have normal fallopian tubes, mild endometriosis, and whose partner has a sperm with no fertility issues. A doctor can prescribe fertility medications such as clomiphene, and these medications help to produce two to three uh, mature eggs. A doctor may also prescribe progestin injections as well. A person trying to get pregnant may regularly undergo ultrasounds to ensure the eggs are at their, at their, at their most mature. And when the eggs are ready, a doctor will insert a partner's collected sperm. Another option is IVF or in vitro fertilization. The treatment involves extracting an egg from you and the sperm from your partner. The egg is then fertilized outside the body and implanted into the uterus. The success rate of IVF for those with endometriosis are about half the success rates of those with other reasons uh, to fertility issues. But many people with endometriosis have successfully gotten pregnant thanks to IVF treatment. So there still is some hope as well. So IVF is, is often recommended for people with moderate to severe endometriosis or for those whose body haven't responded too well to other treatments. So it is important to go through the various different options with your doctor. So what can actually be done by you in relation to improve your chances of conceiving with endometriosis? Currently, there's no evidence that medication can, can improve a person's chance of getting pregnant with endometriosis. Doctors may prescribe medications such as progestins to increase the amount of pregnancy hormones, but there is no overall one medicine, one secret tip or whatever it may be. It's also important to live a healthy lifestyle as possible when you have endometriosis and you're trying to get pregnant. But it's also it's a it's a two way street. The male and the female will need to kind of look at their fertility health and their overall health and their overall well-being. It's not just the woman. It has to be the man has to be impacted in it as well. So this can actually reduce the inflammation in your body and prepare to help your baby grow and thrive throughout a healthy pregnancy. So what can be done? Main, maintaining a, a decent level of, uh, maintaining a healthy weight for you. Eating nutrient-dense foods, rich in veggies, fruit, whole grains, lean proteins. Engaging in some sort of moderate exercise on a daily basis, including walking, hiking, lifting weights, and participating in kind of some exercise classes with mates or whatever it may be. Keep in mind that age can also be a factor for anyone wishing to get pregnant. Higher fertility rates are associated with younger age. Women aged 35 or older are at an increased risk for both fertility issues and miscarriage than younger women. You might want to consider having children sooner rather than later if you've been diagnosed with endometriosis and you want to have children. Your symptoms may worsen over time, which can make it difficult to conceive on your own. You'll need to be assessed by a doctor before, before and during pregnancy. Even if fertility isn't a concern, 
managing chronic pain can be difficult depression anxiety and other mental issues aren't uncommon talk to your doctor about ways to deal with these even think of maybe joining a support group the good news is there's so many people living with endometriosis who conceive and ultimately deliver a healthy baby there is hope the key is to start discussing your conception options even or sometimes even before you think about getting pregnant so when you're trying to get pregnant talk to your doctor if you haven't conceived after six months or without conception without uh, without um contraception so can you have pcos and endometriosis is kind of the last one and the big thing is you can have both at the same time i don't think many people realize that so in fact a 2015 study found that women with pcos are more likely to be diagnosed with endometriosis another 2014 study determined that there's a link there's a very very strong link between endometriosis and pcos with pelvic pain and or trouble getting pregnant so according to an even older story a study in 2011 the high levels of androgens and insulin in pcos could in, in, indirectly increase estradiol and this may increase the risk the risk of endometriosis itself so we need to look back and listen to like the episodes of pcos that we've kind of looked at if you are if you have bought the book uh thank you uh if you haven't bought the book buy it but this stuff will kind of be talked a lot an awful lot about in the book itself of how to actually diagnose PCOS and endometriosis. But I'll go through a little bit more detail now, but it's important that if you have PCOS, go back and listen to loads of episodes that I've done on PCOS. And this is the first time we've really covered endometriosis because more research is kind of coming out and it's important for us to kind of give us the right detail, the right amount of information. So in order to determine if you have endometriosis versus PCOS, your doctor will kind of do several tests to determine if you have, or you may have both. Generally, your doctor will use a test mentioned earlier in other other episodes that I've done and it will be mentioned in the book to see if you have symptoms like irregular periods. But if you don't have symptoms, you may receive a diagnosis while you're being treated for something else. So a quick list of some of the tests that could be used are a detailed look into your medical history, a physical exam or an ultrasound. But it is important to note that an ultrasound is cannot be ruled out by an, by an ultrasound endometriosis cannot be ruled out and a piece of us cannot be diagnosed by an ultrasound so does the treatment actually differ for pcos and endometriosis so both conditions are treated with various forms of medications and surgery and some of the stuff that can be used as treatment folks some of the some of the treatment can be with endometriosis kind of focused on reducing estrogen and pain others include medication for estrogen and medication like birth control can also help to reduce estrogen and regulate growth for endometrial tissue the pill probably isn't the answer for every single person but if you are in severe pain the pill can be the help there but it's important to go through all the various options that are, are put to you pain medication so the likes of ibuprofen and stuff can help can also help with the flow if you've got a heavy flow alongside it surgical removal of the tissue uh surgery removes endometrial tissue growth hysterectomy which is removal of the uterus and uh, maybe recommended if you're trying to, if you're not trying to conceive lifestyle changes so a balanced rich in nutrient rich diet may also help your systems and managing your sleep and your stress which are something that i think a lot of people don't realize impacts so many of us with or without endometriosis or pcos it even affects me and you're human so we need to look at kind of like what pcos is and the treatments treatments how they differ so the the medication acne or hair medication uh, laparoscopic uh, ovarian drilling maybe another thing 
weight management, balanced diet, sleep and stress, stress and sleep management could also be brought in. So it's important to see that there are similarities, but there are various different other things as well. In endometriosis, uterine tissues grows in other parts of the body, causing pain and infertility. And it's linked to high estrogen levels of treatment focus on reducing uh, estrogen and pain when it's with that side of things. So PCOS, on the other hand, is due to high levels of androgens and it may cause infertility and ovarian cysts. So it's possible to have both at the same time, especially if you have normal abnormal periods uh, or difficulty conceiving. So you need to vi visit your gynecologist. Uh, and knowing that those things are available to you will really, really help you on that side of things. It's important to understand also that with the likes of kind of menopause that endometriosis and menopause symptoms actually improve after menopause and that's generally due to kind of like the need for the hormone estrogen to grow so as we are as women get older uh the level of estrogen goes down so when you go through menopause naturally your ovaries will produce less estrogen and if you have surgery and your ovaries are removed you no longer produce as much estrogen as a result so your symptoms may lessen so if your symptoms continue after menopause you need to consult with your doctor so in our in in kind of like a sum up the episode endometriosis is a chronic condition with no cure we don't understand what can what kind of causes it it may be genetic it, it's it sounds like it's a an immune system thing um but this doesn't mean the condition has to impact your daily life you have to manage effective treatments are there to manage the pain your fertility medications hormone therapy and surgery it's managing the systems as symptoms as best we can once we manage the symptoms it, life becomes easier and all is not lost and it's also important to note that with endometriosis the symptoms usually improve after menopause so it's important for that to be kind of looked at as well so we've looked at diet and lifestyle supplementation training with endometriosis fertility pcos and endo like this is a very very short short synopsis of of the episode and that's a very very quick look over on it if you want to listen back to 215 part one and you haven't listened to that i would highly recommend listening to that first um so guys if you have enjoyed the episode at all please do tag me up on your story if you have any questions at all regarding endo please do let me know knowing that there is stuff out there for you there is help for you out there as well uh, it's knowing what the symptoms are it's keeping a log of where you're at keeping a log of the various different things and symptoms and knowing when they happen certain weeks or whatever and then you can give a bigger picture to your doctor so it can speed up the process for you if you're struggling with fertility issues knowing that there is hope all is not lost there are various different options go to your gynecologist or your fertility specialist and kind of go from there so guys i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you enjoyed it please you tag it up on your story and if you are if you haven't bought a copy of the book, uh, The Non-Honest Approach to Female Fat Loss, please do. All this kind of stuff is in that uh, with practical tips and stuff as well, how to, to kind of manage things. So hopefully you enjoy the book as well. So thanks so much, guys, for listening.